Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill tech taco G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that, huh? Service now, come on, yeah. I said welcome to the winner's circle, yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to another CJ and the Duke. My name is Robert the Duke Fedoric. I am Corey CJ Wesley. Dude, how about that new intro? Listen, <laughs> when I first heard it drop, man, let me tell you. Right. That's it right there. I didn't think we could replace the original, but I heard that one. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's us. Kudos to our performer, Chills Music. We'll have a link in the description below if you want to contact him. My goodness. <laughs> we went to this guy, talk about ServiceNow and ITSM and custom apps and self-improvement. And I was like, how good could a rap about that be? Really? Right? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, who raps about ServiceNow? We do. <laughs> big huge thanks to chills music we'll have links to his work in the description below yeah no doubt no doubt big shout out man thanks for it we appreciate that also huge shout out to our sponsor this episode is brought to you by clear sky clear sky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. it optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform first approach Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky, optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. All right, Corey, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the drift. The drift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it people are, at home are like the <laughs> drift. What's the drift, right? Like oh, the service service now drift. Like a lot of people nodding, like yeah, I know the drift. They don't know the drift. They have no idea what we're talking about. Duke, yeah. what we're talking about with the drift is that phenomenon that happens that when you build something and it could be best practice today, in a year, two years from now, something has surpassed it, right? Yeah. Like you've you've built on top of it, or ServiceNow has built something that's out of the box versus something custom that you did because it didn't exist on the platform or just a new paradigm has emerged in terms of how you do development or how you manage teams, whatever the case, right? Like technology has advanced as it is wont to do. And the thing that you did 18 months ago was best practice is no longer best practice. And yeah, or just not a good idea or maybe it was a great idea at the time, right? And it's just right. things change. 
And it's not like not even just your preferences. Your preferences might be the same, but other stuff might have happened in between. So a couple examples, I guess, to just really drive it home. I mean, for those of us who are real old timers, right? 20 years ago, it was like I till, I till, I till, I till, I till. And then Agile comes along and there's contention between the two frameworks, like do I till, no, do Agile. And then DevOps comes in and CICD comes in and they all have ideological overlap about how stuff gets done. Right. But a lot fewer people were talking about CICD or DevOps 20 years ago than we're talking about ITIL. But these frameworks emerge, these ways of working that people want to do. And it's like, but ServiceNow was built the better part of 20 years ago, back when ITIL was the thing. Yeah, that evolution from one thing to a net to the next. And another source of drift is in technologies. So old timers on ServiceNow remember a day when we were talking about CMS. When we wanted Ooh. to have a great user experience, right? It was like, well, we have to build something in the content management system. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the good old content management system with Jelly included. <laughs> oh, Jelly, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Gotta have James Neal on the show to talk about how awesome Jelly is sometime. Think about it, though, dude. We started off, and that's where we were. We were dealing with things in the Jelly language, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're at service portals and the now experience and things continue to move forward, right? That's the drift that we're talking about. You might still have a CMS site and it might still be perfectly functional. But if you want to go ahead and update that thing, every time you go to think about updating it or trying to maybe implement something new, you have to have this conversation with yourself. And it's like, yeah. is now the time to upgrade? Like, has mm-hmm. is, is this thing been passed by to such a degree that it no longer makes sense to put in the effort on the old thing. And should I now be thinking about going to the new thing? To put it bluntly, nothing's future-proof, right? Or the fu- right. the, the future-proofness of your thing diminishes over time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <You know>? exactly. <laughs> Inevitably. Inevitably, in technology, the future-proofness of your thing diminishes over time. That's it, concisely. Those are just some examples of drifts. So there's process examples, ITIL, Agile, DevOps, CICD. There's technology drift via CMS to service portal to next experience. We also see it in workflow on ServiceNow. The, oh, yeah. The, what was the very first workflow engine on ServiceNow? Oh, man. See, that one predates me even a little bit. <laughs> I know what it is, but I never used it. <laughs> A lot of people would think, oh, it's legacy workflow. No, there was a time (laughs) when we had execution plans and execution plans were basically like, think about flow designer, but no graphical interface. Oh, (laughs) it was all just forms and related lists. And it was way less cool than even that. Sorry, we're totally getting on a tangent. I think it's spot on, right? And it illustrates the drift that happens in an instant, even when you're doing the best practice thing of the moment. You can be all in on execution plans because that's best practice then. And Mm -hmm. then the legacy workflow editor comes out. And by the way, at the time, it wasn't called legacy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) It was just workflow. It was just workflow, right? And so now you move in all, at some point, you move all of your execution plans to workflow. But before you start moving them, you have to have this conversation Mm -hmm. about is now the right time to move them, right? Is this workflow thing going to stick around? is ex- our execution plans. Now I, I know how to do these things with my eyes closed. Maybe I should just stay on this stuff. 
-hmm. right? What am I missing out on? You get to a point where now the technology gets deprecated and there's no longer support for it. And then you have to start maybe making those decisions or not still, right? Like that's the drift. And that spawns all of these crazy decisions and all, and sometimes issues with your instance over time. Yeah. It's, you can't get to a point where it's like, we're safe. This is what it's going to be. Right. Cause you, you know, yeah. the system's always growing. And so it's really just the art of it all is becoming good at future proofing big air quotes. Cause we're not entirely future proof, but also internalizing the idea that this is going to change. And we should rather get to the point of the doomsday scenario episode that we had that will be in the description below. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you basically have to build the whole thing from scratch. But can we take this on as operational skill so that we are just better and better at changing the system rather than rebuilding the system every three to seven years? And just before we go, there's like we t- covered process frameworks, tech frameworks. I think there's two other drift sources that are worth mentioning before we go on to like coping with drift. And that is bad ideas from the past. So literally like, we should have just built this better. And two, the stuff that you build that ServiceNow now has a solution for. So right. with those examples of drift, now let's talk about coping strategies. Yeah, like now that you got drift, right? Like how, yeah. how do you dig yourself out of it? Yeah, exactly. And you will get drift, right? There's no, not, like we don't have drift here. That doesn't, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone has dreaming. drift on the end. dreaming, yeah. I bet even if you if it's a freshly minted instance and you just went live yesterday, you have drift, right? Because at some point during the uh, implementation, you decided that this version is probably good enough for go live, right? Yeah. I'm not going to implement this patch or this new hotfix and do all of this regression testing right now. Where we are is good enough and we'll mm-hmm. deal with the rest of it after we go live. That's drift. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you think you're not going to have it, you're already having it most likely. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like aging almost, right? So maybe instead of like framing drift as drift is a big, bad thing. No, drift is just a reality of life. And so like, it's more like, how do you, your postures and procedures for dealing with it versus it's a bad thing. We have to stop it. You can't stop it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, my, one, of, one of my favorite expressions is, right, like, you know, universe is trending towards entropy, right? Like, where everything is essentially going to die. Well, I look at this as a little bit as the reverse, where technology is trending towards efficiency. And the further away you get from your singularity point, your point of creation, right, the more things get sophisticated or more technologically sound or efficient. And you have to start making those decisions on where you are in the drift cycle and what you need to do about it. Right. And that's why we're talking coping strategies. So Duke, go ahead with the first one. Uh, (laughs) 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 It's funny that you said this one. So the first coping strategy is drum roll, please. Documentation. Surprise! The first thing we talk about in 2023 is documentation. (laughs) Documentation. Yeah, but that horse doesn't quite look dead enough. So let's just grab the stick and beat that that dead horse a little bit more. No, Um, but last time I looked at the horse, it was still running around, dude. So we got to go in on it. (laughs) Still wild and untamed. Okay. Yeah. But I go on and on and on about it. But I go on and on and on about it for a reason. And so as you decide to deal with the drift in your organization by either realigning with certain out-of-box principles or 
rebuilding apps or significantly changing the nature of stuff that you have deployed, you have to know where the bodies are buried. You have to know where the mines are. And there's no better way of doing that than by keeping up a good memorialized documentation of how this thing is built. And I'm still shocked to this day about how resistive some people are to this. Oh, it takes so much time. Not as much time as having to figure it out when you need it now. Right. You know? It's not right. nearly as inconvenient as not having it when you Do, need it. You know what surprises me is not so much how much the engineers and architects are resistant towards it, it's how much sometimes the organization is resistant towards it. Why this is sometimes such a struggle to be mm. mandated at a, at a project level, right? Or a group level or a product level, right? And especially in the ServiceNow ecosystem, there's a lot of systems in, internally in, in most organizations that have a lot of documentation because they have thought of as business critical or mission critical, right? Like your DR system is obviously gonna be documented, right? Because if worse comes to worse, you need to be able to fail over. And how do you fail over without documentation on knowing how to do that? ServiceNow seems to be still treat it in a, in a less than equal standing when documentation is still an, an afterthought, not just with the engineers and architects, but also with the organization. And so when you have people like you and I who come into an organization and they say, hey, first thing we do is make sure we got documentation. And, and by the way, do you guys have documentation or any of this? Can you provide me with what you have so I can understand how your instance mm -hmm. is built? And they all kind of look around the table at each other with this befuddled look like documentation. What's that? Right. And you're like, OK, well, fine. First thing we need to do, right, is establish how I'm going to document this product that I'm going to build for you guys. And you're like, well, no, no, we don't want to do that. That's going to take hours. Like, I want you to yeah. build stuff. Right. It, and then. <sighs> yes, exactly. Like you should be building. You shouldn't be documenting as if they are of the same scale. Right. Right. I spend way less time document. I've been building an app for a company for the better part of last year. At some level, I've been like, you know, gently designing this app for them. And. Definitely. You know what I mean? I've spent so many hours building the app, but it's like I put together the documentation in a handful. I'd be shocked if it was 5% of the total effort. Yeah, right. It's it's not even worth worrying about. Just do it. And we also talk in IT about business continuity and business resiliency and all this kind of stuff. And those are big boardroom type discussions. Yes. And we come in as ServiceNow folks, all ServiceNow is a big boardroom discussion too. And ServiceNow can do business resiliency and business continuity. And except for the fact that it's a minority of people who will leave you with documentation when they do stuff. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me about business resiliency and continuity if you're not going to leave any documentation <laughs> with how you built this stuff. I know. Well, you know, and folks have that crutch. They think because it's in the cloud, Right, that they don't right. have to think about that, right? No, it's because in the cloud. It's low code, fine. right? It's low yeah. code. Anyway, we can't overstate it, though. We can't overstate it. What are you supposed to do? If I just pie charted all the hours that I did last year of the apps that I had to replace or significantly alter, I'd say like 50% of all the time I spent on that stuff was spent trying to figure out how and why it was built before. Mm, and I'm not talking like, I'm talking like 40, 80 hours to back engineer this stuff before I do work. This is a really good point, right? Because let me tell you why documentation is actually not an additional effort, right? But why it's an effort saving feature. Because when I come in and you want me to build something for you, the first thing I need to do is understand what you want me to build, how it works, 
how your internal system works off grid already. Right. Mm -hmm. And while I'm doing that, that is the documentation production process or at least a part of it. Right. So at the end of those sessions, what we should have is some kind of flow that's documented about how that process works. We should know the touch points. We should know who and what are inputs and outputs, things like that. That's documentation. And that's going to save me time in trying to build it because now I don't have to have countless meetings with stakeholders asking them. And so what group does this go to again? All right. We got some other coping strategies here, but I think that one's the easiest, lowest hanging fruit to help you against a drift that just clearly isn't being done. Absolutely. You got to know what you're building and, and why you built it. Next one, Duke, design for replaceability. Mm. I like this one because it encompasses modular development techniques, right? Like strategies, right? It, it kind of lends itself towards agile development while building things through stories, right? Where every unit of work should be individually testable, right? Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, you should be able to go in and microservices, right? It was a whole microservices push that started a long time ago. And was maybe, I don't know if it's catching up in the service now, but you know, it, it is a, a thing that a lot, I know a lot of good developers do, right? Especially in my mm-hmm. circles. So when you take design techniques and design patterns from some of these things, you start designing things in this kind of micro way where they interact with each other modularly, they can also be replaced in that modular micro kind of perspective, right? So if you need to replace something, so you built a, where it is a function over here and it does this thing and there's a new way of doing this thing. It's now service now switched all the state models to an internal scripting clue, for example, <laughs> right? Like if you built that for replaceability, you can plug in their thing and take your thing out of the loop and kind of keep it moving with minimal effort. So that's what we mean by like design for replaceability. Never assume that the thing that you built, no matter how proud of it you are, will still be the thing in 10 years that is stated of art and that will be used. It's possible that something else surpasses it, that that functionality gets incorporated into the platform, so on and so forth. So you should design these things so that it can be easily subbed out with better, with bigger, better technology more efficiently and whatever. Yeah, and I think part of that is documenting. Part of that is really understanding the catalysts, like what makes it start, its integrations with other systems, its logic is just like understanding that app and make sure it's compartmentalized. Like I think scopes, I know they aren't perfect, but keeping an app in a scope is a great way to design for replaceability, right? Yeah. Like like imagine the stuff you just build in global is not bound by anything common. So if you're like that one paradigm that we had to design for and it touched all these other things, how would you bundle that all up and shut it off? You can do that conceivably in a scope, but you can't do that just by building a global. And and that leads itself to building these microservices that you can swap in and out because you know they're in this scope, in the sandbox, right? And you've got like the inputs and outputs documented. And now you can build them differently or you can swap in a ServiceNow service that they're now included in the platform. And now you don't have to maintain your code. So that's one piece of drift that you no longer have to worry about because now it's baked into the platform and you can let service now worry about that drift. Calling these kind of coping strategies, but, but a lot of these are kind of like planning strategies too. Thinking about how you do the project and how you do the thing before you start to do the thing. Honestly, I'll be real here. I don't think most of us spend enough time thinking about how to do the thing before we actually do the thing. And I'll be honest, like I'm the first one to admit that sometimes I'm the person that's like, oh yeah, bright and shiny, let's get started. And not spending nearly enough time thinking about like 
what's the best way to do this or what's a way to do this that will future me like three years from now won't want to slap past me right like because i've had yeah. that happen a lot and i know we all hate our old code but i've really painted myself into some corners it sucks <laughs> well, some of this just came to me right now like just bringing together some of the content from our other episodes how would i design something to be replaceable besides documenting it right <laughs> shot every time we say documentation <laughs> <laughs> that's the new rule for 2023 shot every time we say documentation that's amen 18 for this episode some of you yeah, right? to the hospital well, now. <laughs> yeah, swap out some of those awarded shots for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but if I said we should probably replace this application we built on ServiceNow years ago, how would I know if that's a good idea? Even if I know that the technology will work. And it would be because I understand the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. Right. Like I built a project management utility in ServiceNow yep. ages before ITBM came along. And when ITBM did come along, I knew it would work as a replacement because it was there to build work breakdown structures. Right. right. What are all the tasks and when do we have to do them? Right. But you know what I mean? Like somebody may have made an HR app, which was exclusively for, say, anonymous reporting. Right. But HR V1 right. from ServiceNow came out and didn't have that feature. So it's like, well, they're both HR. No, they're not. They're, they're satisfying completely different outcomes. Yes. So you have to library your outcomes and keep on remembering them so that you can replace it with something bigger and better when the same outcomes can be achieved. Exactly. Exactly. And then, then you have your compartment, right? Your little scoped app, or maybe you're building a second scoped app, but you basically have a way to encapsulate it all so you know what the app is from a mechanical sense, what gears and yeah widgets and whatever make this thing the thing all right so next one duke ask sooner and more frequently if now is the time to switch from your custom thing to your out of out of the box thing well that was a good transition it's <laughs> 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 so almost like we planned this out ahead of time <laughs> <laughs> but look tech debt is a fact of life and it's, it's something that you can't avoid. And drift over time looks like tech debt. So when you think about it, you need to be asking yourself early and often whether or not the thing that you built is still the thing that needs to be running and whether or not it's time and it's possible to switch to something that will incur you less tech debt going forward. That's really what it's about. Right. And the reason that you want to look at that early and often is because if ServiceNow, we're going to just use ServiceNow's pension of building out of the box stuff, because I think what they do, right, is they, they get an understanding of the customer base. And when you know enough of us are needing a certain thing, then they go and build it. Right. They don't build stuff that not enough of us need. Right. It's a, kind of a waste of resources. So let's say, you know, like ITBM. Right. Enough of us are needing this thing and then they build it. But you've built it custom. Do you wait three years before you ask yourself if you if you should migrate to that thing? Or do you wait three months? That's the question that you should be asking yourself. And the only way to know if you should wait three months versus three years is to be asking yourself that question every three months or every six months. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of waiting every two years or every three years to ask yourself that question, because ultimately what you want to do to reduce drift here. And to reduce this tech debt is you want to be able to pass the thing off that you have to maintain to somebody else to maintain it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's how, that's, how, that's how you reduce drift. Right. Like you you got to pass this off to service down to maintain. Like I, I built exactly. this custom this custom thing. Right. And and now I got to think about like whatever service down is going to upgrade or, or whatever changes they make to the platform and whether or not my stuff's going to be compatible. 
I know their stuff is going to be compatible with their stuff because they built it. Yeah. Well, the, the chances are just better, right? We have this crazy custom app and it basically means that we always have to have somebody who's always waist deep in it. Right. To sustain our own knowledge of what the thing is. And again, I'm dealing with a customer like this right now where they have this huge app. They use maybe 20% of what they had built for it to do. Right. And almost nobody knows how it really works. Basically, we're spending tons and tons of time, 5x the time, 10x the time, getting to the point where we can modify it. Sorry, I'm totally going on a tangent there. but No, like, you go for it, man. Yeah, but basically... If ServiceNow came out with something that did that, we'd want to immediately start asking, now the time, is now the time? Because it's better that ServiceNow engineers figure out precisely how this works and keep that discipline over on their team so that I can free myself up to worry about other stuff. Yes. I don't have to worry about this anchor I've got tied to my ankle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You don't have to manage the drift. Yeah. Right, let them manage the drift. And this, I think this bleeds into the next point of, you know, you're going to ask frequently, earlier and frequently, is this something we should rebuild ourselves? Is this something that ServiceNow has an out-of-box solution for? Should we do it? And instead of just waiting until it's a disaster, ask it more frequently. And the asking more frequently is basically operationalizing your posture against your, I can't believe I said operationalizing, but... but Accenture's you know I mean? going like, to send you a pen on that one. <laughs> oh, nice. I need another Accenture pen. Um, but you know what I mean? I force myself to spend a little bit of my own KT, keep the lights on time, making sure that I'm staring drift right in the face. Right. Otherwise, if you don't do it that way, it's just when will the disaster strike? And we've talked a lot about the technology aspect of drift, but it's not just technology. It's also business process and business alignment. Right. Mm -hmm. Like your solutions and your outcomes that you're looking to get out of the technology. You know, we should be asking the questions. Does the business still need this thing that we built? Oh, man. Right. Show me a three year roadmap for a ServiceNow instance that hasn't changed every year of that three years. Exactly. Because something new comes out. It's like a new disaster. COVID right now. Everything's shifting from, oh, gosh, we got to optimize our assignment rules to, hey, we need an app to do contact tracing. Exactly. Or it's like some new compliance framework comes out. The government should yes. take all our money if we're not ABCDEFG compliant. Or we sold that division that did the thing that we had the app for, right? right? <laughs> so yeah, making sure there's kind of an operational view of this. Ultimately, drift, while we often think of it from a technology standpoint, we often implement it using technology like it also you have to step back and and think of it encompassing of the business strategies and the business outcomes as well all right so the last thing on this list i think is don't over design yes don't over design we've all been in that situation where there's lots of stuff that you can add to ServiceNow that quote unquote would be nice yes and it's usually driven by someone's persona someone's persona yeah so yeah it would be nice if we had a a sub sub category <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But just in this one just in this one instance, right? You can hide it for everybody else, but for us we want this field here. Yeah. And the more of those that you entertain, yep, the harder it is to deal with drift. And Absolutely. like those people go away. Their interests change over time. And I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, especially for beginners, man. But 
<laughs> you got well. That's the art of saying no, right? And and I it think we've, we I think we've talked about that a lot on some past episodes. But that just bears with saying again, right? The art of saying no. You got to know how to tell your stakeholders that you don't want to do this and make them believe you. But the gray area is that some of the stuff could be good. It yep. could be convenient. Yeah. But is this the kind of thing that's going to last a long time? And if you're in the habit of entertaining team whims, whims is the wrong word, but like a team says, oh, just do this for us. Again, make sure you're documenting it and make sure that as a part of your everyday life, you say, do we still need this solution? Can we rip it out? Can we get rid of it? Because the more you over-design and make things super, super, super nuanced, the less flexible you make it for the future. Absolutely. And the more brittle you make it for the future, right? That's right. And what we know about ServiceNow is that it exists in the cloud. And we also know that ServiceNow has a roadmap that they've committed to that they hit almost without fail. Two major releases per year. That means you've got two opportunities there where code is going to be refreshed on your instance. And by going through these exercises, you can ensure that your instance isn't too brittle to take the, the, the next version of ServiceNow that might offer something that you'll find valuable. Man, there's something we said in there too, because remember, there's that N minus one policy. So it's not like, right. to some, it might be an opportunity to others. Is we just caught our breath. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. and, and we have a brittle instance full of stuff that we don't really know about ourselves. Yep. And has more probability of getting a failure on because yep. we went super, super, super deep and nuanced and not just minimal, minimally viable. You know, for them, upgrades aren't cool and fun and quick and easy. Yeah. For them, upgrades are like basically there's a third of a year gone for projects. Yeah, right. Maybe yeah. even more than that. I mean, there's companies out there and I see more and more of them. So much more of their year is dedicated to just keeping up with N minus one. Forget all the other value propositions. You know, dude, and I think we should cover that, right? In a, in a future episode, we should talk about how do you keep up with N minus one, right? Because there's some stuff that you can use. And we talked, we touched on a few of those things today, right? Documentation being one of them, take a shot. Mm-hmm. What we didn't talk about was instant scan. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is another one that helps you maintain your flexibility and your speed of upgrade. There's a few things built into the platform that allows you to move with a bit of speed to keep up with N minus one. I think it might be worth a separate episode. What do you think? Uh, I think we should do it. All right, but speaking of next episode, we are 36 minutes in for recording. So we're going to drop you off here. Thanks for watching. Hope you love the new theme song. Give us a comment and a like. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you on the next one, folks. Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill tech taco G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question: Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth come on yeah make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth yeah cj and the duke what's that huh service now come on yeah i said welcome to the winner's circle